So I think the reason that Broke Thespians has had such success this year is that we are able to talk to each other as a board and say like, hey, we're messing up. How do we fix it? You know? It was just everything pointing against us starting this thing. Like the first show was kind of a crash and burn and then COVID happened and so no theater was happening. And then we looked at the papers. This is the Community of Theatre podcast, where we shine a spotlight on the community theatres, local theatres, not-for-profit theatres of all kinds that stage over 25,000 productions across America every year. Today, we're going to talk about the most fundamental act in putting on all these shows, starting a new theatre company. To do that, I am joined by three of the board members of the Broke Thespians Theatre Company in San Marcos, Texas. They are Nate Nelson. Howdy. Mitchell Odom. Hey. And Tommy Jackson. Hey. So y'all founded Broke Thespians about three years ago here in San Marcos, Texas, which is a college town about half an hour south of Austin, Texas. I may be biased in that I'm a graduate of Texas State University myself, but it feels like a college town. Population of the city is around 68,000 and the university enrollment is around 38,000. Not all of the students are residents of San Marcos, so I doubt that the university students outnumber non-students at any given time, but it's probably not far off. And there are plenty of towns here in Central Texas that are much, much smaller than San Marcos, maybe a tenth of the population. But they have, many of them have, long-standing, successful community theaters. But for the past 20 years at least, as far as I've been familiar with San Marcos, it has not. I've known individual productions to be staged here and there. I've known of a, a costume shop, Costumed Occasions, which I think closed maybe 10 years ago now, which for a while intended to renovate one of the downtown spaces, but again, they're closed, so this didn't happen. So I'm just continually surprised that a theater company hasn't sprung up before now. So why do you suppose that is, and how is it that you have been able to you know, break the curse uh, so I actually didn't start Broke Thespians. Um, I wasn't a part of the founding process. I joined later, mm -hmm. and I just talk a lot, and so well, that's fine. I have lots of opinions, and they have to listen to them. But. So, do you have opinions on why San Marcos hasn't been able to, or just hasn't had a theater for now? Uh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what do you think it is? I think what's interesting is when you have, like, music starting people can practice that at home on their own mm -hmm. like everyone can practice their part and we can meet up at a church once every two weeks and it's cool you can put together a show and you can start something like an orchestra or a jazz band in this area we have so many music groups here mm -hmm. and if you have art you can meet at a community area like you don't need any specifics on where you have to make art or where you have to make music but to make theater, you need a stage. And these places with stages are so expensive to rent out. Um, and in order to rehearse, you can't always just rehearse a play in someone's apartment. You can't have 30 people trying to do a musical in a student apartment. Like, you're going to get kicked out. So, unfortunately, we have all of these needs that are not as easily met. And when you're making music, right, when you're doing, like, an orchestra or a symphony um, and you're going to a church and you're going to all of these places, like, they're excited. They trust that music will happen. They see the instruments, right? They see the product. But for theater, they see a group of people being like, I'm going to do a play. 
Um, and it's like, okay, what do you have? It's like, I don't have anything yet, but I will. And like, nobody wants to spend their money on that. Um, and so it ends up being that the people who are making the company are the ones spending the money out of their pocket. And the people who want to make theater in this area don't have any, we don't have money, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that people start, I've, I've been a part of many like productions, one-off productions in the San Marcos area at the college and off campus. Mm-hmm. And people start that production and then they're like, I never want to experience that again. Um, what I saw with Nate and Mitchell is that they were like, man, that was hard. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it's the fact that they just like push through because things were not always well, easy. What is it that you're talking about that people don't want to experience again? Are we talking you, don't about- want, you want to experience that failure of putting in all of your work, all of your money, and then maybe like 10 people show up to the first show. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Um, everyone is expecting what they just got out of college, which is these like sold out shows every night Uh and all of these like beautiful, expensive productions. And you don't just start there and they don't just start there. They have donors. They have private donors. Mm -hmm. They in the university. Yeah. They being the university. And if you, if you attended the university, you're used to like, they, I mean, with the amount of money they have, they have huge audiences. And if you were in the theater program, you, uh, you saw those big audiences, and so when you leave Texas State and you go out and you try something, uh, maybe with a new company like us, mm-hmm. you realize like, oh, ten people, uh, and it's kind of a big shock value. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and people don't realize like that is where it's always going to start. If you start over again, you're going to be back at those like small audiences, and you're going to be creating the word of mouth, and you're going to be creating the culture, and like I think the thing is people go into creating a theater company with solely a passion for theater, which is great. That's what you want. But like, you also have to think about the logistics. You have hey, to when you about, say a passion for theater, I, I guess you mean like for f- the artistic side. Of yes. It. For the, like, yeah. For the creative, for the like acting. Most people for, don't uh, go directing. into the passion for theater accounting. No, 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 no one goes in and says like, I'm going to do the math. I'm going to do the numbers. I think what has worked for broke thespians is like, we get like me and Mitchell really like crunching the numbers and things. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like me and Mitchell kind of have He's fun. He's nodding yes. Going yeah. through <laughs> it and saying like, hey, oh, we made this much. Oh, but what if we did this? What if we moved this around? What if we budgeted this? Okay, we can make this show happen if we do this. Can we get a grant here? Can we get that? Like it's, that's fun for us. And I think that that can also be something that pushes people away that makes people say like i don't want to deal with that aspect yeah because if you can't afford to pay a person to do that then you're doing all of that you're doing the budgeting you're reserving the rehearsal spaces mm-hmm. you are buying the rights you're making sure that you the rights are being properly used you're paying any artistic staff that's coming in as guests and that is so overwhelming when you just list it out on your own mm-hmm. um so i think that all of these companies that did try to start probably just got a little discouraged you know, to do all of that work behind the scenes and maybe not enough people showed up. Yeah. They didn't get their Texas State crowd that they mm-hmm. were used to versus we once did a show for a person inside of a room. And straight up. <laughs> yeah, our, our first show, Love's Labor's Lost, was I think our smallest audience was like two of our friends, uh, like one of our friends, that like our fr- two, two of our friends that are a couple came and saw the show. And we did a full-length Shakespeare production for these two people, and I get, it, it's really discouraging because all everybody that was ninety-eight, if not 
98%, if not everybody that was involved in Love's Labor's Lost was at the time or at some point a Texas State student. And it is different from going from something like when I when I did Ragtime at Texas State, we were sold out before we even started the show. Mm-hmm. Like before we even before people even saw the show. Or it the, might have uh, been the size of their house. Oh my god. At the the brand new Harrison Performing Arts Center, I think the capacity is like something like three to four hundred. Okay. Like some, it might be a little more than that. Maybe yeah. a little bit more than that. I'm horrible at guessing numbers, but <laughs> but something like that. So you're having, you go from having literally thousands of people see this show, and like after the show, people are rant raving about the show, come stopping people that I don't know, like mm-hmm. that I've never seen before, stopping me in the lobby, being like that was amazing, to doing a Shakespeare play for five people. That when the show is over, they go, mm-hmm, and they, nod, <laughs> and they nod at you as they leave because you're standing by the door, so they feel like they have to give you something. So they nod at you, go, mm-hmm, thank you, and then walk away. And I get that that's discouraging to some to have that few people show up and then to not say anything. Because mm-hmm. yeah. then, then you do get people that it's like three or four people maybe that will come up to you and be like, that was so fun. Like, I'm glad you guys got to do that. And then at the start, it was kind of like only like friends of mine that after Love's Labor's Lost came up to me and was like, great, what's next? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean what's next? Because I kind of just had the idea that I was like, I don't know, I'm just going to slap a name on it. And I'm going to, me and the director are going to throw a bunch of money at it. And we're just going to say it's under this company, whatever. And And so was that the first Broke Thespians production? Yeah, I would say, like, the first real one. All right, well, so, since we're kind of back we, in the beginning, let's back up just a step further. Where did you get the idea to, to form the company in the first place? So, Mitchell and I were in this Shakespeare class together in college, and we did As You Like It, and it was a 90-minute cut. We all just had black t-shirts and khakis, and then we all played several characters, and then you got, like, one costume piece that differentiated your character, one character from another but during that classes, that was the first time I met Mitchell. And that summer, I think there was auditions for another Shakespeare play at the Emily Ann Theater, which was Twelfth Night. And so I texted Mitchell and I was like, hey, you should audition for this thing. It's with this theater that I've been doing. I did a couple shows with already. And I'm going to audition because I really like Twelfth Night. You should audition. And so he did. And while we were rehearsing for it, somebody at some point in the show brought up Love's Labor's Lost. And they were like, you'd be really funny in that show. And I was like, cool. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I went home and I think I like looked up some like production on YouTube mm-hmm. and like read the synopsis, watched the YouTube production. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. This would be really fun if Mitchell and I got to do this. And I showed it to him and I sent him the link and I was like, you and I would be really fun. And this would be a really fun show to do with you and I. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, (laughs) and then like, that'd be fun if we could do that. That'd be nice. And then that was his, because I think that was, you graduated at that point. Was it after the Shakespeare Ensemble Mm -hmm. class? Oh, then yeah, I graduated by then. Yeah, because we did Twelfth Night after all of that. This is all a little pre-COVID, right? Yes, this was 2018. Mm. Yeah. Something funny I always like to bring up when this gets brought up is... There was an audition process for this Shakespeare ensemble class. Um, and, or sorry, there was a workshop. And then before the audition, it was like a workshop that you got to just 
practice for Shakespeare stuff. <laughs> they already know. They already know what I'm going to talk about. But there was a workshop to prepare for the audition, and you could come prepared with a monologue, whatever. Um, and that that was the first time I met Nate. I didn't really know. I thought so. The workshop was happening. I thought that was the audition. So I came dressed up and like slacks, you know, a nice uh, suit jacket, no tie or anything, but just like whatever. I'm like, I'm looking good. I'm ready for an audition. I'm always told you got to wear a little bit of black so you can kind of blend in. So I'm ready. I walk into the what the dance room or whatever. Yeah, it I was is. in the dance studio. The <laughs> dance studio. And I look around and everyone's in like gym shorts, tank tops, <laughs> like flip flops. And I'm like, what? is going on and of course everyone was like mid-conversation like yeah no that's what i was talking and they, they see me <laughs> walking in a full suit like is that the t-shirt what's happening <laughs> uh and then i just like sit down and he's like all right the teacher comes in and it's like all right we're prepared for our uh our workshop we're gonna play around with just some stuff and then i remember talking to him like is this not is this not the audition and he's like no the audition is like next week i was like Okay, awesome. So I just wore the suit for nothing. Awesome. <laughs> well, we part of the workshop was you got paired up with somebody and you just had this worksheet and you make some Shakespeare insults, just like as like an opener. Um, and so happened that me and Nate got paired up, and I could tell there was a weird, not maybe not tension, but there was something weird <laughs> where we were like, uh, yeah. And then I make this word, and then haha, isn't that funny? I later found out. He was like sad. He got paired with me or something. That's not true. <laughs> I wasn't he, sad to get paired with you. I got I got paired up, and he later told me he's like, I thought you were the weird kid that like wore a suit to high school or something. And he was like, Oh great, I got paired with this guy. <laughs> and then it turns out I got cast in the show. So he was like, Oh god. I didn't uh, even I just love. Well, while we were in the class, I didn't even remember that that was you until like much later into the class. When I think one of our friends, Jaden, brought it up, is she was like, "Yeah, didn't you wear a suit to the workshop?" <laughs> and then it, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just remember that was like my first interaction with Nate is that he thought I was the weird kid that wore suits all the time. <laughs> well, also like not just that, but it was also the like everybody in the room kind of knew each other, except Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anybody. It was kind of like. Like a couple of my friends, a few of my friends were there and they knew other people in the class. And so we were all kind of like talking and then Mitchell came in and like, I don't think really anybody knew him because that was that your first year at Texas State? No, I, that was my last year. At Texas State. Oh. <laughs> I knew, I think I knew a few people like I knew Jaden because we did fight class together. But yeah, most of the room was unknown to me. Mm -hmm. I knew their faces. But yeah. So then all the way going back to. Twelfth night was when we really started like talking about like well if we did do a show what would the logistics of that be and we really got into the like well we need a director we'd need to find somewhere to do it we need to do auditions we need to do all of this other stuff so we found a director we worked like very slowly one piece at a time mm -hmm. and through the audition and casting process we were able to get somebody on the show that was a uh, faculty at texas state so he was able to help us reserve rooms get us a place to perform and very thankful for that because we just did it in a teaching theater one of my friends that came to see the show was like oh i took french in this room because <laughs> it's just like a mildly lofted audience and then just like a big square for the stage with a curtain so you were you were still a student then at 
Texas State? While we were working on it, I was. But by the time we really got the ball rolling and did the show, I had just graduated. Okay. So I graduated in 2019, and I think we did the show in July 2019. So how long was it between beginning to plan that show and actually performing? Realistically, probably, like other than just saying it, probably like half a year. I think we started in like January talking to me and Mitchell started talking about it. And then we found a director and she kind of helped us out with a lot of the, like a lot more of the like, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. Cause she's directed before and she knew a lot more than we did about like logistically putting on a play. So then from there it was like, yeah, it's, I'd say about six months. Cause I think we really started in January. Cause we kept talking about it in class and then we were just kind of like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then someone else would talk about something like, yeah, we really want to do this show. Like, oh, and then it would just kind of keep snowballing. Like, well, I would, I've always wanted to direct something like that. I'm like, oh, cool, do you want to direct this? <laughs> and then another conversation would come up like, well, you'd be really great for this part. Do you want to be that part? And they're like, sure, yeah. I'm like, awesome, cool. And so we started to have like a small kind of company of people together. Um, and yeah, it just kind of snowballed until <laughs> we were like, I think we have a show. <laughs> um, and then we kind of, went on with it all right so so then that that show happens Mm -hmm. and you deal with the realities of putting on your own production Mm -hmm. and what what makes you decide okay we're gonna do that again i think (laughs) man i don't know (laughs) something that would naturally flow from that (laughs) Uh. i think i think for me it was just the idea that people came up to me after the show and were like so what do you what show are you guys gonna do next Uh uh-huh and it stopped turning from me going, next show, haha, you're funny, into me being like, oh, well, I haven't, I guess I'll think about that. Uh-huh. And I'll talk to Mitchell about that because we really were just like, I just wanted to do it for fun. And I was like, I don't mind losing, <laughs> losing some money just to do this show with my friends and have a fun time. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into, oh, what are you doing next? Because I want to see what show you do next. And so it was more than just a fun one-off thing I could do with my friends. Because I was like, I've always wanted to start a theater company. In my head, I was like, that sounds fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's it's fun. It's just so much work. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, like, having people be like, all right, whatever's next. Like, let me know when it's happening. I want to come see it. I want to come help. I want to come audition. I I was in that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was not on the board. I was not in any conversations. I was just a dude that showed up. And did a bad Russian accent, and then I left. <laughs> um, and I was like, "Good for them." <laughs> and then I was like, "But not for me." <laughs> like, I was like, "I'm out." The next show, I didn't audition. The next couple shows, I think I was like, "Now nah, you guys are working on some things, and like that's so great for you, but I'm not gonna do it." Because um, for me, it was like the other lens of being an actor mm-hmm. and being like, "Man, this is a lot of time and effort." And I feel like it's not paying off the way I want it to. Well, is this you know? the same experience yeah. where it's just because it's a new theater, it's small yeah. crowds. And yeah. It just doesn't, yeah. Okay. So like they had the lens of being the producers of Love's Labor's Loss mm-hmm. and the reason that it happened. But for me, I didn't have any ties to this theater company. Like mm-hmm. I showed up because Nate told me to. Um, <laughs> it was like, you want to be in a show? And I went, I guess. Gives me something to do this summer. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. Good for you guys. Keep working on it. You know, keep fighting the good fight. And then I bounced. Like I was just, I genuinely (laughs) was not interested in doing any more shows Mm -hmm. with 
them not because they're bad people they're still my friends like nate was my best friend at the time and now mitchell's one of my best friends i didn't really know mitchell he's just a dude um who yeah, wears suits yeah <laughs> i heard God. about the suit thing God, uh, <laughs> and but like for me that experience was exhausting mm-hmm. because when you're starting a company with friends you know like we we had there's that like line of saying like yeah you're my friend but in this moment like we're doing business Mm -hmm. and we hadn't set that line yet Mm -hmm. we hadn't said like hey i feel like um we're not treating each other professionally you know and so as someone who like i'm older than them by a few years um but all of them went to school together so Mm -hmm. i felt very like very much like an outcast were you already you had graduated i graduated i graduated in 2016 um, yeah, I think I was. I was. He the, was a freshman when I graduated. Yeah, I was okay. this only. I was the oldest person other than Mitchell that knew yeah. Tommy because I was like mm-hmm. my freshman year was 2015 to 2016, which was his last year. Yeah, right. my super senior year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'm doing this for my friend. You know, it's one of my best friends, and then another one of my best friends, Katie Henderson, is going to be involved. You know, and I I signed up with them, um, and it's just like the show was cool. You know. I don't really care about Shakespeare, um, and that might get me in trouble on this theater <laughs> podcast. Please don't cancel me, <laughs> but I don't care about Shakespeare. And so I was like, if you're going to just do Shakespeare stuff, like that is so great for you. I will show up and buy a ticket, uh, but I want to do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Broke Desmians felt like it was going to be a Shakespeare company when I was doing Love's Labor's Lost. And I was like, that is not for me. It's not something I can do forever. I might do it once every, once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. There's the understanding, like, the professionalism. And I felt like, yeah, I had a friend or two in the show, but I did not feel like a part of the pack. Because since you're doing the show with your friends that you've brought in, mm-hmm. there isn't that same audition process, you know? Right. So as an actor, I was like, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel like I need to voice that because that's this is, like, their thing. Um, and that's something we can get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the change in Broke Thespians and what has given it the longevity is like, I was able to express that to Nate and to Metro and say like, Hey, I had a bad time. I did not like this. And feelings hurt for a little bit. <laughs> and then they said like, okay, so what do we need to do? Like, how do we make sure that people don't feel that way? when they do our shows. And that's something that we still do after every show now. Like we are about to send out our reflections on our last production white this week and say like, what worked for you? What did it? What would you change? You know, what would make you come back? Who does that go to? Everyone that goes to everyone involved mm-hmm. in the show. Cast, Casting crew. crew. Okay. Um, if they volunteer and did anything, they get that. And they, they reflect on the director. They reflect on the board. They tell us like, hey, and we tell them, like, this is anonymous. Like, we don't collect your emails. Like, we, you just have access to this. Well, what, what sort of results have you gotten from that so far? Oh, man. <laughs> so we've gotten some, like, high praise. We've gotten some, like, wow, this is great. This is a wonderful experience. And we've gotten <laughs> hate mail. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what happens is, like, um, my friend Katie put it very well. Like, I'm going to butcher how she said it. It's like this process isn't for everyone. The way that you do theater isn't for everyone because you guys are working on breaking some habits um, and breaking some traditions. Um, We've all been part of productions where it's like, there's this hierarchy and there's this like, this kind of tension and this kind of elitist energy. Um, And that is something we're fighting against, you know, and that's not the reputation we want. Um, And so when we get those reflections, sometimes people are like, um, 
I feel like I wasn't being respected um, as the lead, you know, or I feel like I wasn't being treated this way when I did so much work. Um, and it's like, well, this is an ensemble and we're very ensemble based. Um, I think a lot of our pushback has been like people are so used to kind of anger in a director or a stage manager. And so many of our directors and stage managers are very like, OK, how do we build this as a team mm -hmm. that sometimes people see that as like unprepared? Or they oh, see wow. it as someone who doesn't have it together when really they're just asking you how you feel, what you're comfortable doing on stage. Yeah. Um, we've gotten way less of the like hate Millie stuff um, <laughs> now that we've kind of created a brand for ourselves uh -huh. in the way that we do theater. Um, I feel like this year has been the biggest shift in things. And I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit. <laughs> but That's fine. But so uh, you've definitely then gotten some negative feedback that you don't think was really justified or was coming from There's a some place. that was justified. But, there's some that there's yeah. some That's that what I'm curious. Justified. Are yeah. there any yeah. like clear improvements you yeah. made based on this feedback? Yeah. I think speaking candidly what I don't know if Tommy's like gently hinting at but I would say looking at it as a whole our first production Love's Labor's Lost it, I'd, I'd say there was more negatives than positives. hundred percent. It, <laughs> it was a rough show if you really look at it. Because um, it was our first one and we didn't know what we were doing, but the professionalism was bad. We didn't know how to handle certain things. We had promised people roles because we had precast it essentially. And then we whether just forgot or just because we are bad people we <laughs> just scrapped that and auditioned and replaced people in those roles that we promised like hey we we're gonna put you as this role uh -huh. um yeah. and that was one of our first yeah like oh man that we did do that and that was like a mess up that we did because we did we did that to one of our really good friends now that i mm. and like at the time i was like oh my god we did promise apart and then it like completely like through the audition process and everything happening it just kind of like fell through on our part mm -hmm. that we like did not keep our word on what we said and then they brought it up and they were like hey you did tell me this and then when casting happened they did not get the part that we told them that they would yeah and they were like i just they were like i'm upset obviously but like i'm not taking it out too harshly because this is a brand new thing mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you're giving us so much grace that you do not need to give <laughs> um, because we did mess up and like we still like nobody's perfect. We still yeah. do mess up yeah. like often because we're doing this on our own, mm -hmm. you know? Yes, uh, I was being gentle, but I had a bad time during Love's Labor Loss, <laughs> if we're going to be yeah. candid, just because one of my friends was disrespecting the process by one of the people on the creative team. And I, I had to experience that from like consoling that friend. And then I had to come back to these rehearsals and I felt just very much like the outcast in the group, even though I had a prominent role, I was uh, Leonardo, but I felt like I was the guy that filled in a place, you know, um, I didn't feel like I had enough guidance. And I think the understanding was that I just knew what I was doing and I did not, I am not someone who that sh like Shakespeare comes naturally to. And I think that we fell into some habits where we we're like, oh, this person looks like a leading Shakespearean mm -hmm. man. And this looks like a leading Shakespearean woman. And this looks like someone who plays the clown. Um, and then like people of color don't fall in the lines of those looks, mm -hmm. you know? And my friends right here are wonderful people. But when you have been taught by so many professors who give all the black people the same scenes and give all the black people the same lines, um, the people of color in that show, we did talk, you know, we did say like, I feel like we're just kind of here in the background 
and all these pretty white people are in the front, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was a conversation that we had to have once I did join the board and say like, hey, you may not be aware of this because this is how we do Shakespeare at Texas State. Like Texas State was still learning how to be a little more color conscious. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly doing theater, we're like, oh, a black person could play that role. Like you're not considering us for Macbeth. Mm -hmm. You're not considering us for Lady Macbeth, you know? Um, and it may not be intentional, but if the same type of people are in those leading roles and the same people are getting those leading parts, um, it is harder for those of us who are people of color mm-hmm. on your team to feel welcome. And so what we saw after Love's Labor's Lost was a significant drop in like the interest of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that intentionally happened. It's just something that we hadn't had a conversation about, mm-hmm. you know, or they hadn't had a conversation about. Um, and I, I do want to commend the entire board of Brooke Desmond for saying like, Hey, let's reevaluate ourselves. Let's look at our casting. We, we had a night very recently, um, not very recently, over a year ago, a year and a half ago yeah. where we sat and we were like, how many, how diverse are our writers? How diverse are our directors? Mm-hmm. How diverse are the roles available, um, that are specifically written for people of color? Yeah. How many people of color are returning? Mm-hmm. Okay, if that number is very low, then why? You know, how many women are returning? If that number is low, then why? Right? Um, because if we really want to be this new theater that is welcoming everyone, we need to be evaluating ourselves and saying, like, how are we making ourselves welcome? So I think the reason that Broke Thespians has had such success this year is that we are able to talk to each other as a board and say, like, hey, we're messing up. How do we fix it? You know? and actually stand by that word. I think if it's not clear, Tommy was someone who was very crucial to, I think, our success. He That's not what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, I think he was someone who was very crucial. It's all because of Tommy. (laughs) No. Oh, I think he was uh, a very crucial stepping stone to us being com- becoming a better theater company because he opened up questions that I just I just truly would not have thought of. It just mm-hmm. it just didn't pop. I mean, I'm a sh- like white guy, so of yes. course like <laughs> I don't think about like issues of like well I, I, every role is fine for me. Like I know I can audition for this role. I know I can audition for that. I don't have to right. worry about that. So he opened up questions that I just haven't yeah. thought of before. And and, it, and the thing is like it's not that there are roles that are excluding black people in these shows mm-hmm. it's just like from the outside lens if i'm looking at all your pictures and all i see is the same few white people in all of these shows and they're all skinny and they're all pretty mm-hmm. you know i'm fat queer and black i don't see myself in your productions you know so why even show up to the auditions and that is something we needed to fix and if we had made someone feel like they aren't welcome we needed to make the call and make the uncomfy calls. And we've made so many uncomfy calls in the past couple of years saying like, hey, are we good? And if we're not, what do we need to fix? Not solely just to be like, keep the company going, but like, because these people were our friends. Friendships. Who started doing yeah. How do we shows? keep these friendships? You know? Yeah, friendship, um, friendship how did, what did we do and what were we not aware of? Yeah. I want to make it very clear that when these conversations did come up, everyone took them very well. And when we were a group of five, there are five people on the board. It was the three of us, Sydney and Sam Parrott. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney and I looked at each other and said, if we do not diversify this season, we are going to have to walk because 
that pushback wouldn't go on to Nate or Mitchell. They mm-hmm. would look at that meet the team page and they would see the black man and then they would see the the woman mm-hmm. and they would say like, why are you letting this happen? Why are you doing this? Especially when we are in a time where people are evaluating companies and saying, are you truly standing by your mission of diversity? Are you truly conscious in your casting? You know, people are looking up each company that is putting up posts you know, and as, that push as they back, should. Yeah, and that pushback yeah. doesn't go to everyone equally. <clears throat> it goes to the person that they're going to see as a token. And the last thing I want to be for this company is a token. Mm-hmm. So we have to have that conversation, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not comfy. Yeah. Very um, uncomfortable, yeah. Uh, Having I, never had to address something like that. Yeah, and it's life. not something that they thought of because they saw me and they were like, oh, that's just our best friend. Like, we're all best friends and we've been best friends for a while. Yeah. But we hadn't had too many conversations where I'm like, hey, I feel like if I do these shows and I'm the only black person, then I am the token of this company. How do we fix that? You know, how are we more open? How do we make sure that people of color besides me mm-hmm. are getting featured? Because if it's just a company that has a person of color in every show and that person is just me, then it is not a diverse company. Mm-hmm. It is white people and me, mm-hmm. you know? I'm sorry, I just get really rambly and excited about that type of stuff. And... No, that's good, but I, I want to step back um, yeah. <laughs> because we've referenced the board a number of times. How did you progress from deciding, okay, yeah, we're going to do more shows after Love's Labor's Lost to actually having a board and becoming a, a formally organized group? I think the boring answer is that we wanted to become a nonprofit company because mm-hmm. um, that leads to lots of opportunities. And so in order to get that 501c3 nonprofit status with the IRS, um, we had to <laughs> have a board. Which, oh my God, is that another conversation? How <laughs> difficult nonprofit administration is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still, I don't really get it. Um, but man, it's on my resume. I tell you what. Um, <laughs> um, but I think as soon as it really started to get going, I think after Macbeth was really where I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I think to push forward that to increase our longevity was, we need to be like a company. And mm-hmm. it just feels weird to have a. I don't know, for, to have like a for-profit theater, I think it's just, especially in a city like San Marcos, which is so community-based, so all about the arts, I think it just felt natural to be like, we need to be a non-profit. We need to like be for the community. And so then for that, we needed to, you know, start our board of directors. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the boring answer. I was also just kind of like, it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> but you, you mentioned doing that, Beth. So it wasn't straight from Love's Labor's Lost to forming the company there were no some productions so in there it. was so there was two so we did loves it was lost and then Macbeth. and then the plan was to go into a production because at first our plan was we'll just do two shows a year and that was like our only and i was like we'll do a comedy in the summer and then a tragedy in the winter because mm-hmm. that fits thematically <laughs> summer happy winter sad <laughs> so that was the plan as i was like we'll just do two because i was like especially if i'm going to keep shelling out my own money for these shows, hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars for these shows. Uh, I can't do more than that with my favor runner salary. <laughs> um, so it was after we did Macbeth that we, we were like, okay, this, at this point we were still, it was still re- really just a two man team. Like it was just me and Mitchell being like, okay, well, what do we do next? Let's do much ado about nothing. I don't know. I did that show in college. It's fun. I could direct it. We don't have to look for a director. I could just do it. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, great. Um, 
And then April of 2020 happened. <laughs> um, and we really tried. We really told ourselves, uh, we'll just push off two weeks. We had auditions online. We had callbacks. We casted the show. Uh, we were like, we'll give it two weeks. COVID will pass in two weeks. Uh, two weeks turned into two months. And then we had to cancel the show. Um, and that's And it was during around like March or April when we were like, well, because we can't do a show, let's really evaluate what we are doing this for anyway. So we, um, I just remember a lot of late nights in Mitchell's apartment and just looking up like, what do we need to have a, f to be a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. And what do we need? Like, what does that mean to the the nation of america what does that mean to the irs <laughs> what does that mean for the irs who's going to be giving that to us that 501c3 like what do they want what do they need to see from us and it was like you need a board of directors you need to file with your state because you we are not only registered as a nonprofit with the irs which is national but we also had to register for with texas mm -hmm. as a state Nonprofit, And then once you do that, then the IRS is like, okay, now we'll look at you because the state recognizes your nonprofit status. So now we can work on it. Um, so then from there, they were like, well, you need a board. And they were like, it can be anywhere from like, I think it's like, you need a minimum of three positions for a board. You, yeah, need, you a, need a president, a secretary and treasurer. Yeah. Who, mandate, have have who mandates that minimum? The IRS. So the national, it's federal so they're like, you need, you need at least these okay. three things for us to wreck. And you have to send us their names. And then like, that's the only time you'll be recognized. And so we were like, well, Mitchell and I looked at each other and we <laughs> looked at our good friend, Sydney, who was also there when we were looking at this paperwork and we went, well, we have three <laughs> and we were, we're like, well, I don't like that. That's a really low number. I think we need to add some more people. And so I was like, well, you know, who's very responsible <laughs> and good at and good and diligent. Anyway, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> so then the next time we met, it was the two of us, Sydney and Tommy in a room. And then we went, well, we need a fifth person. And we all looked at each other and went, I know people, but I don't know people who I would trust to handle money. And then we went, I do actually know somebody who's good with money. He's on the board of another thing. And he does the same thing on that board. <laughs> So we called up a friend, Sam, and we he took over as treasurer because he is on the board for other nonprofits and knows way more about how nonprofits work because he is an adult that does real adult <laughs> things. And he is still on the board, yeah. And he is yeah, still on the still board. board. Yeah, um, his job is literally to tell us, like, that's that's against the law. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, when, you, <laughs> when, you do, when you have meetings in a nonprofit, they want the notes to look, the notes have to look a certain way. And there are certain rules called Robert's rules that you have to follow. I hate Robert. So it's things like <laughs> I motion to do this. I've seen Somebody you have to post it online on your website. Yes. Yeah. We have to, we have to go through all the rigmarole of like legalese essentially of mm -hmm. being like, I motion that we do this. I second that motion. All those in favor. I, we have to do a motion to leave the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a motion to literally say I motion to adjourn this meeting at and then you have to say exactly what time it is. Mm -hmm. So then if somebody's and if looking people at it, say nay, you are stuck. Because most most votes have to be I mean, unless it's spe specifically most votes have to be unanimous. It, it's so I don't know, this is kind of a tangent, but it's just so funny to think about it like 
there was just everything pointing against us starting this thing. Like the first show was kind of a crash and burn. The next show was a little successful, but still we were working out the kinks and then COVID happened. And so no theater was happening. And then we looked at the paperwork that you had to do for 501c3 and we were like, what are you kidding me? And then we have to pay $75, but then there's another $100 you have to pay for the federal like filing. And I, I think what really, if you want to do something like this, like you, you just, you have to like love, and I, I don't know, it sounds cliche, but you like have to really love theater and not just like acting. You got to love Putting on theater. You got to you wake have- up every morning and go, yeah. I'm not involved in anything theater. I, I need, I crave theater. And if you're not one of the, you need to avoid this because God <laughs> Almighty is yeah. stressful. It will kill that passion. And, um, <laughs> un- an unwillingness to sit still, really. Yeah. You have to be persistent and we argue if we're going to be real it's it's not like we go to these meetings and we like talk to each other and we're very nice to each other i think we Mm -hmm. push each other's buttons in this process um but i think it only works because we're so close i think it would have been harder to keep this going if we were not friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we've definitely had some time where i was like Man, man, me and Mitchell can go back and forth, but it's so quiet. You don't know we're disagreeing, but it'll be like, hey, I want to do this thing. I'll be like, we don't have the money. He's like, but it will be really pretty. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think our most recent one, I was like, I really want to do this. He's like, mm, that's not going to happen. I was like, okay, well, it would be really great if we did that. And I was like, like, you, but we can't. I don't know how to tell you. You're like, I don't understand what your problem is. And I went, I need, that didn't I, happen. <laughs> that was the energy. Like, I don't understand why you don't want to do this, but whatever. And I had to sit down and go take out feelings, you know, and do this. But then there are things that I feel passionate about. I'm like, I really want to do this thing. And they look at me and they're like, we cannot do that. We don't have the money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we have to balance each other out, which I, I as much as it was like, as much as it was like, man, we have to find a board. We have to get enough people interested. It has helped a lot yes. with decision making. It has helped us like really lay out like, is this a logical thing for us to do? Can we do ten shows in a season? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I was. I was. I ran into an old professor today, and I was literally talking to him about um, how this season we are doing six shows, and our bank account is getting jumped right now because <laughs> we are still paying we're still paying for things for wizard of oz which we did in the summer our checks are still rolling in from this show we closed like two weeks ago that we need right now for the show that's <laughs> opening next week and then the show that we're doing after that um and it's it's grant season so like the grants haven't oh, been yeah. given yet it's the part of the season where we're writing them uh, and so for the next couple of months we just have we have to wait until they say yes or no and we have to hope that they say yes mm-hmm. um i mean like we we're in that part of the season of like we we rely on grants mm-hmm. we rely on donations and we just have to write them the right way and that's that's been a process not even to mention that we are all working full time yeah. <laughs> every day and we come home, and then we have to do the theaters, and then like we leave work. And you're, you're working as theater teachers. Yeah, yeah. Right? So your point yeah. about having the passion for theater extends. It, it, it is your day job and your yeah. yeah your volunteer job. Yeah, and you have to have that's a special breed of person. Like I will be the first to admit, like not that not everybody can do that, mm-hmm. but you have to if you really want 
to start a theater company, you got to find people like that. And there's no shortage of them. Yeah. Like there are people like that all over the place that could do theater 12 hours a day, seven days a week if they could. Mm hmm. Like that would love nothing more than to wake up at 7 a.m. to go to a theater and work all day and come home beat tired at 9 p.m., fall asleep, and then just to wake up the next day and do the same thing. The dream. It's (laughs) it's just not, it's just not, not everybody has that. And I think it's important to be aware if you're not somebody that can do that. If you're not somebody that is like dying, it's like any moment I'm not, what is, there's like some t-shirt or something, any moment I'm not at the theater, I'm dying or something. <laughs> but it's, that's really like, especially. I, I have rehearsal. Yeah. That I really, hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you always hear people like professionals in the industry that they're like, if you can imagine yourself doing something else, then do it. And I have to agree because if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't love doing this, I wouldn't, I'd be like, God, I have to do this every day. Like this sucks. I'm not going to, the, the return, I think it really boils down to the return for theater is so low mm-hmm. in, in the community, in setting. contrast yeah. to, yeah, especially in the community setting, the return is so low compared yeah. to the effort and it's terrible to, yeah. Cause you put on all this work and like we rehearsed for months we rehearsed for months we spent hundreds of dollars on shows mm-hmm. and then it sucks when on your opening night you have five people in the crowd and you're like wow that's cool we just spent hundreds of dollars hundreds yeah. of man hours late nights early mornings building but it seems like that particular situation is improving over time for you. oh yeah oh it has. god yeah. feels so good <laughs> yeah, we talk bad about that, but it has got it's, yeah, gotten, it's gotten better. Much better. Yeah. Our, our name has gotten out there, and yeah. I think that summer musical that we did, where we did Wizard of Oz, which was our at least as far as I've been in San Marcos, the first outdoor free summer musical in the park. Right. Um, that was that was the one. Like, that's that, what did that it. put our name out there. Um, I mean, people call me broke despians sometimes when they see me. Like my girl, ACB, oh, yeah. the lady that's, that used to be on the arts commission, she looks at me and she's like, hey, broke despians. And I'm like, I'm, that's not my name, actually. Wow. Um, so like people know who we are because of Wizard of Oz. That's great. Um, and people like stop us. And I think someone was talking to us and they were like, hey, and they looked at Nate and they were like, you were the guard. And they looked at me and they're like, you are Uncle Henry. Um, and we were like, actually, it was the opposite of that. And I'm not really sure <laughs> how you got there. But, <laughs> but the idea was there. The energy was there. Um, like people, Wizard of Oz was beautiful, you know, and as a summer musical, like it didn't do Zilker numbers, you know, it wasn't thousands of people each night, you know, on the side of a hill. Yeah, so let's let's get some context for anyone who might not be local. Oh, yes. So yes. <laughs> San Marcos, small town south of Austin. Austin yeah. is, I don't know, one and a half million person metro it's area. It's huge. And it has like a summer musical series called, yeah. I think, Zilker, Zilker in the Park. Zilker, in the Zilker park. is the city park. Yeah. And that, yeah, every year for many, many years, they've had a it's large musical decades. production and it has thousands and thousands of people. It's free like to attend. Per night. And so this is sort of the same thing. You're a establishing here in San Marcos, and you just did for the first time with Wizard of Oz. There is a park with a nice public stage that was built, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And it was not built for theater. No. (laughs) It was built for show. But you are now using it for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We saw almost 900 people 
over our six performances. Yeah, about just short. 800, 900. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we were in the 800, 900 range, which for us was like, oh, cool. Right, so <laughs> the, the primary venue that, that I've seen your productions in is the Price Center. Yes, um, the Price that, Center and Gardens. And this is, what is it, a Victorian home? It's, it's an old home. It, it's I a, think it, it's an old church, I believe. Oh, is it? It's like an old church slash old retirement home slash now an arts exhibit area it's gone through a it's lot, been a of, lot of things but the performance space looks like a ballroom right yeah. it's got a dance floor but it's yeah. what is when you when you set out chairs maybe a hundred seats yeah, about 110 120 yeah. if, yeah, you if, you really, if you really pack everyone in like sardines the uh clay who works there has told us that it can get up to be about 120 yeah but that's like everybody's and we just squished. have not done that since covid we yeah. have not packed any chairs in mm-hmm. which looks cool when you sell out <laughs> right 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 <laughs> like we sold out during 25th annual pundum county spelling bee on Oversold. the final night we actually had to add some chairs to that mm-hmm. like so like we had so many people walk up that we had to add chairs in the audience yeah we're learning that people love musicals yeah <laughs> if people love musicals they recognize and people love a good murder mystery you know and it's great because musicals are very expensive so yeah, so yeah. It's like, what out. if you love something <laughs> affordable you know uh, <laughs> Because like Shakespeare, (laughs) which is free, you know, Um, musicals are thousands of dollars just to say that you can do them, like before you even pay for anything. You mean the rights, the rights, just yeah, just to have the rights to the show and say like you are doing the show. Mm -hmm. You haven't casted, you haven't put any costumes, props, set pieces. Thousands and thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and we do not have that. Um, do we don't have a whole bunch of thousands? So our musicals only happen because, like I mentioned earlier, like grants. Mm-hmm. We 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 beg, um, and we say like, please, and people go okay, I guess, and they give us like a quarter of what we asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it helps. Where do the grants come from? We've gotten grants from the City um, Arts Commission, mm-hmm. um, San Marcos Arts Commission. That was our. That's what pushed us to be able to do Wizard of Oz, and what we're hoping will push us to do next year's <laughs> musical. I hope that they hear this. Um, <laughs> which is SpongeBob. We're kind of doing yeah. SpongeBob the musical. Yes, because that has the underwater elements, and San Marcos is the city of the mermaids, and we want to incorporate parts of the community into the show, which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten grants from businesses, um, like car dealerships, uh, banks. We reach out to banks. Um, we reach out to small businesses, and a lot of times, they even if they can't give us money, we've had places like local coffee bars, a coffee bar called the Coffee Bar, oh, um, donated snacks for us every Friday of our three-week run. Huh? Um, they made sure we had coffee and that we had like scones and cookies mm-hmm. and things. Um, because they were like, I could not give you thousands of dollars, but here's some snacks. <laughs> they San were Marcos very... Toyota was the dealership. They gave yeah, us $1,000. There we go. Thank you. Oh, so yeah. Really... And, but the thing is, like we said, like if they haven't seen the product yet, mm-hmm. they were taking a risk. They don't know what we do or don't do. I think that what was great about Wizard of Oz is so many people in the community saw it. So many people who work in these local businesses that now when we go there and they see us, they're going to be a little more willing to donate to the, well, hopefully donate to the next musical i think what was good about that is it wasn't big crowds but it was a very diverse crowd I yeah think. we had younger crowds we had i think our opening night we had the I summer think, camp the texas state summer camp had, just walked across the street huh. and we're like is there a musical we're gonna watch and huh. like 90 high school kids just and, watched and it was amazing our scarecrow uh tyler askins he 
I think was a prof- or a he teacher. He was like a guest lecturer at the camp. Yeah, he was like a yeah like lecturer. A and so they saw him on stage and they were like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was amazing. And then we saw younger crowds. We saw people from the city come out and see it. We saw people who saw it by accident. And then <laughs> during intermission said, you know what I need out here? My couch. My and couch. they went and they picked up their couches and <laughs> brought them into the park and just sat on them. <laughs> like we, it was, it was truly that San Marcos energy of like, <laughs> What what a great mix of people in one place, you know. Uh, the couch crew is my favorite because they were very happy. <laughs> it looked like a couch from a dorm. Um, it did. They, look like a they were like skating because there's like a big concrete area, um, right by, stage, like yeah. right in front of the stage, uh-huh. like partly where the concession stand was, and they were like skating around. And then we set up our concession stand, and they were like, "What are you? What are you guys doing?" And we were like, well, we're setting up concessions for a musical that we're going to do. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Whatever. And then we the show started and our historian, Emily, told me exactly what happened and that she was sitting at the concession stand just like watching the show, watching everything happen. And she saw them slowly stop and just like kind of start staring. And then they left halfway through act one. And she was like, so I thought they were just like, oh, okay, well, we can't keep making noise here, like out of respect. <laughs> but then during intermission, she said that they, on their skateboards, had pushed this couch <laughs> across the street <laughs> and pushed it into the grass and set the couch in the grass and just like watched the show That's like amazing. on this cat. And they were all just sitting there, they're like, and they just brought a couch. And they loved it. That they, is fantastic. And they were whooping and hollering the Did whole day, loved pictures? the show. We got, oh, a picture yeah. of the, we, got, we got a picture of the couch. We didn't get a picture of them on no. the couch. It was bumping on social media. It was great. It was yeah. It's, uh, social media has also been helpful for growth. Oh, yeah. A, oh, truly, a truly San Marcus thing to happen yeah. is people just bring a couch. I, I think if you do move forward with starting a company, you got to have a social media presence. It's, mm-hmm. you, it's, just where, it's just where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, even going as far as like buying like the Facebook ads, like they're honestly really cheap, and they it tells you we'll send it out to twenty five hundred people, mm-hmm. um, or the Instagram ones. That one's really good. The stories are always great. We even started a TikTok um, that we help run. That I think one of them, one of our videos is like it's, ten thousand views mm-hmm. on it or something. No, it's short of a million now. Oh my! Wow. What? Last I checked, it was at nine ninety five k. Oh, sure it wasn't. 9.95k. Oh, I thought it was a 995k. <laughs> I don't think it was that. I don't Look, think I'm it's, saying. Do you have one like, person oh, like whose job it is to run the social media? Well, elements it's, Nate's it's TikTok. Split up. Yeah, it's 10.3k. Oh, I was like, I thought it was a million. That's a lot. That's 600 likes. Yeah. It's our, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have. I, we've t- split it up yeah. because we realize that like it's we now have instagram facebook twitter tiktok and instagram and facebook is its own monster to run all by itself mm-hmm. so we've emily our historian is like the person that's in charge of all of it and we have a marketing team who has it has been like split up and given to other people so instagram is kind of like we kind of like share it but it's mostly emily that will run it uh i run the tiktok page and we haven't had much to put on a youtube page but i technically also am in charge of that and then we have facebook which is kind of also like a can you guys log on and post this today because mm-hmm. we need to get that out and whoever has like five minutes of yeah, time that's... to just make a post post a picture will just do that and it's kind of like emily will be the one to ask and request and ultimately it, she's the one that's the in charge of the marketing team and all that kind of but stuff she's 
so good. She's we. Yeah. She's the reason that we have an audience at all ever. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, we we would not survive without Emily. This is a shout out to Emily. We love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, it started with our first historian was Sydney. Yeah, and she got her graduate degree, and she's working on now her doctorate in communications. Mm-hmm. So, so she's she taken like a star. she's yeah. taken like digital literacy, social media classes like on like this is how you brand yourself and this is how you do this so sydney laid a really great groundwork for us to for emily to take over and like push even further so like sydney started it really well and then emily has taken the reins and continued to like push us even further a lot of the process has been us learning things and then teaching it on the way Mm -hmm. you know emily learning from sydney and then i've worked with leah because when I signed on, I was secretary and I've moved to vice president and Leah's secretary. And so there are times where I check in with Leah and then, you know, Mitchell, I'm checking in with Mitchell. Like, what should I do with vice president? What do I do with my hands? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's my favorite part of protest means is we're constantly teaching each other, whether it's like in a rehearsal room or just in board meetings or anywhere. It's like you're allowed to not know the answer mm-hmm. and we're all going to find it together. Yeah. That's beautiful. Write that down. <laughs> um, going back a little bit to your relationship with the city, because I think that... Oh, yeah. Y- you've mentioned that, Tommy, before yeah. we started this recording session a few weeks back, or yeah. months back, um, that, that that is going well. And that, I think, ties into how you got the space, the outdoor stage, to perform Wizard of Oz on in the first place. Yeah. So how did that happen? Um, so the theater, the city wants theater. The city needs help trusting that a theater can be run. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we've learned. It's like, they love the university. They love having the university there. But, like, Grandma, who did theater 60 years ago and wants to try again, can't audition for a show at Texas State. Mm-hmm. So they see Wizard of Oz with this diverse cast when it comes to age, when it comes to race. Like, it showed them, like, oh, this is truly community. And... It was a little harder, you know, like we had to really sell it for Wizard of Oz. We had to really say, like, this is the plan. Everything is planned out to the T. Here's how the money will be spent. This is how all of this will happen. I think what happened with them, like, kind of starting to like us and appreciate us is that we we follow the rules. (laughs) We (laughs) Mm -hmm. could bring paperwork for every single thing. If they were unsure if we bought rights, we could say, no, they're right here. If they were unsure if we had used rehearsal spaces or paid for anything that they needed from them, Mm -hmm. like we had all of our receipts, we had all of our invoices because we're such rule followers. (laughs) Um, And I think that that made them trust us a little bit more and start to be a little more understanding when we're like, hey, we don't have the entirety of this payment yet but we can pay it in increments or we can pay this much at a time. I think that working with us on Wizard of Oz led to them trusting us by the time we got there because the process for Wizard of Oz started 14 months before the show. Well, did you actively pursue getting yeah. that stage? Then that was your yeah, idea. That was and- us. We like, we reached out to them and said like, this would be a nice place for a show mm-hmm. and did like a 10 minute presentation to the city and to like, please. <laughs> um, and they said, you know what? We agree. Oh, uh, we want to see this happen. And they gave us $5,700, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice amount of money. 
but it is not enough for the rights for a show. Um, wow. So, especially a show like Wizard of Oz, yeah, insane. It's like really seven thousand once we paid for. I just rights assume that materials. the older the show is, the cheaper it is. Well, they, <laughs> so, not, it depends on the company. They've revamped yeah. Wizard of Oz also. Yeah. Like okay. a lot of the music is the same. They've maybe added or changed one or two songs, but they've really revamped the script because the version we did was like they what's the word they're like Lion King they references in ours they revived Rival. it yeah. in like yeah. the 90s yeah. at the Royal Shakespeare Company in England oh so that's the version that's the most recent version you can buy so because of that there's like it had like 10 writers credits in it so yeah. it was like written by this person and this and him and her and him mm -hmm. and her and them and the rights and the rights are in London mm -hmm. <laughs> like it is being shipped to you from London. Yeah, they were like, Which we didn't right, think this... of when we bought Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, they were like, all right, it's going to be 3,000 pounds. I was like, <laughs> what? of what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought y'all took cash. But what would... But was, the city, yeah. What was interesting is that, and this is something we're trying to fix, is that they gave us that grant, and it was great, and it was wonderful, but then they were like, all right, and now you have to use the stage. You have to rent it. It is $1,000 at 250 an hour. And we're like, wait, what? We're putting on, we're putting on a free show, you guys. Uh -huh. yeah. you and know so them. we had to, they gave us some money, and then we're like, okay, here's Here it go. back. <laughs> you know, the, the stage itself was almost, it was what, almost $3,500 just to have the six performances. Yeah. You know, but we also to pay for rehearsal space because we don't have a building, uh -huh. you know? Um, we also had to pay for costumes and props and scenic elements and tools because, oh, we don't have a building, which means we don't have a shop. So we have to get tools. We have to get wood. We mm -hmm. have to... And we're pulling directors from hours away, like yeah. in Flukerville and Austin. Oh, so we have, we have to, to pay, pay them. them. Yeah. You know, we have to pay our stage managers. So we have to pay, you know, we have so many fees. <laughs> so it was hard to say like oh cool we got the grant here you go yeah so <laughs> that was back. one thing that was like nervous and they were like it's almost like they gave us the keys and we're like here you go have fun and so it was scary to be like god i hope we can yeah they gave us his money but i don't know if they're setting us up for success like this mm -hmm. is hard it's I, completely open it, it's like a gazebo it 100 yeah it 100% felt like a test of like let's see what they do yeah but then when it happened when i mean it didn't even have to open it was like dress rehearsal happened and someone mentioned that they had passed by dress rehearsal and heard beautiful music and had seen like really cool costumes and concepts and the stage had been transformed and then me and mitchell went in to pay our next fee mm -hmm. and said like here's another few hundred dollars and they were like we are so excited we cannot <laughs> wait to see these things and they all like there are so many people who worked in the parks and rec office that just were like i'm gonna see the show on this day we've all been talking about it all week we can't wait and then i think parks and rec talked to the arts commission and talked to all of the other organizations and we were able to meet with people for things like the San Marcos Performing Arts Association. Um, and now we're in talks to make sure that we have built a relationship and represent theater on the San Marcos Performing Arts Association. You know, it, it, that word of mouth of struggling through that <laughs> what felt like the hardest test ever oh my God. Um, led to like, I feel like going into SpongeBob, I feel great. You know, and we're at the very beginning of that process right now. I felt wonderful, you know? We survived doing it the first time with nothing. And now all of that stuff that we made happen, we can use again. We can rebrand and we can reach out to the people and say like, hey, you gave us this much money. 
we did really well. We could do better if we had more money, you know? <laughs> yep. um, and we have something to actually show them. We can show them the pictures. We can show them the crowds. We can show them the logistics and say, like, your advertisements were in these playbills, you know, and these people saw your play. 900 people saw a playbill with your name in it. Mm-hmm. You know, drop a few hundred dollars and we can continue to make that happen. So it's that part of running a theater that I think is the hard part. You know, loving theater is great. Loving shows is great. But then you have to treat theater like a business. And I think that some people find that hard to do because it feels almost like selling out. Mm-hmm. I agree. But it's literally running a business. <laughs> like you just have to run a business. We run a business, guys. Yeah, that's the yeah, it's a non-profit, not-for-profit business. Yeah. That's the part that really threw me is because I also, growing up, and doing theater in school and in community theaters where they've been like, our first show is in 1967. Because those people have consistent donors, whether mm-hmm. it be individual, whether it be individuals who are like, I make millions of dollars and I like theater. So here, here's $50,000 or, you know, like businesses that have a lot of money that can, they trust the theater because it's been around for 50 years. Like we don't have that. So it's a lot of, walking around like with a tin coffee mug being like please something <laughs> anything please just just a just a dime sir which we did which we, which we did <laughs> which we did and we had to because we, we there's literally a day where we like took to the streets and like five five or six of the board members just had a bunch of flyers and we typed it out nice and like nice and neat and we were like hey if you want to sponsor us you can get this, 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 and this. And we had like a whole little sheet and we just give it. Mm-hmm. And we were like, they're probably going to throw that in the trash the second we leave. Mm-hmm. But we can't say that we didn't at least like offer it. And then we emailed them and said, did you look at that letter? And then we called and said like, hey, did you see that letter? Can we set up a meeting? And then we emailed again and said, want to follow up on that call. Um, and it's it's part of it is being obnoxious. Yeah, annoying. You gotta and annoying. if you're someone who's ang- I'm a very anxious person. Mm-hmm. I think someone seeing me do broke thespians work would not believe that. Um, that's a nightmare for me. And it is literally like my main job right now as my yeah. president is to reach out to people and say like, hey. But I, I see on the website you have a list of sponsors and yeah. there are people on that list. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's mostly the result of that yeah. campaign. Yeah. People, people like H-E-B, like yeah. it blows my mind that nope. people said, yeah. Nobody is just giving money no. away, unfortunately. You no. have to ask have and to then ask, ask again. And ask and ask. <laughs> Because it's very easy to ignore an email asking you for money, mm-hmm. but it's hard to ignore 30 of them <laughs> without just paying a silence fee. <laughs> it's like, all right, please stop emailing me. Take I think Twitter. a lot of these were like, okay. Yeah. yeah. That was very much the energy. It was a lot. Of, yeah. Because it's a lot of like, not, not when we're not, we had so many days for Wizard of Oz when we were not out and about but we were all sitting around this very table with our laptops out and just going down the list of like okay this shopping center there's this place this place this place this place this place open their website there's usually a contact us page take this put your name put this as the subject and then send this email and send it 
and we were just like cold calling. Like it probably looked crazy in here with every board <laughs> member on a cell phone with a laptop in front of them, all like walking around the house, trying not just, to interrupt the conversation. From the thespians, just want yeah. to call and it's like we're doing oh, a summer musical again. in the park, and I would just love to get your support. Um, <laughs> I think about the community, think about the family, think about, think the, about the and it's like we do genuinely mean like this helps the community. It's a great family yeah. event, but like. Business number one is not going to care about that, you know? Yeah, they don't know us. They don't know us. We're just a bunch of kids to them calling and saying, like... Because, again, we are a bunch of kids in yeah. their eyes. We are not the age of people who should be running a full company, you know? And I think that that's something that we've run into as well. Is like, a lot of our companies that we worked with, you know, like, are run by people who are much older than us. Mm -hmm. um, and we love them. But I think that when we first started mentioning Broke Thespians, they were like, oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. What yeah, a cute thing you guys the are energy, doing. The energy was very, oh, like, like, um, Katie, oh, Katie's first lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, that's so cute that you're going to do that. And then the lemonade stand turns into a lemonade truck. And you're like, wait a minute. And then the lemonade truck turns into a lemonade store. Yeah. And now you're selling different Well, and that's a perfect infusions. segue into to my last question, which is basically, where where is it headed? Where do you want this to head from the here? The moon. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> first production. Moving space flight. Huh? The first yeah. production on the moon. No. At, at least for me, um, like I mentioned earlier, like this is, I'm I'm fully sold on this. Like I really, I really want to settle down here. Like I really love San Marcos. I love this company and I kind of want to see through it as long as I can. Um, and so my goal is to, in a perfect world, have our own theater building. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> god, it's and it's and it's vibrant. It's active all throughout the year. We have educational programs that we can I teach during the summer. We have yeah. educational stuff for the youth who maybe if they're not doing it something in school, they can come here. We can even teach adults. We can give opportunities for people who are just out of college of Texas State. Have them there. Also opening up to the community. Again, we're a big musical communities or a big music community. Mm -hmm. So really opening up our stage to, you know, if, especially if they're like nonprofit, I'd love to like just offer it to them for free. And then if anybody wants to like rent our venue, have them perform there. Um, I, I, I want this to be a big, com I want a community theater in San Marcos. I, I've yeah. grown up with community theater and it has been the greatest thing I've ever experienced. And I love San Marcos and I love living here and I love exploring the town. So I, I want to invite the city. With, I want to have a community theater here. Yeah, that's my big goal. I, I feel like we are a great community theater company right now, but we don't have a community theater building. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's I, give us a warehouse. Give us a warehouse that we can make look pretty. Um, there are so many empty buildings in San Marcos. I think that is the upsetting so part about all of this. There are so many buildings in San Marcos that are not being used because they're so expensive due to their like proximity to the square mm -hmm. or to the river. Because if you're not close to the square, then you're close to the river. So everything costs so <laughs> much, you know? And if you're not close to either of those, you're next to a train. And who wants a theater next to a train track? <laughs> you know? So... Uh, I, there are so many buildings. Just give us one. <laughs> Emphasis on the give, please. Give it to Borrow it for a minute. Take a risk. Spend a little money. We have already proven we're going into our fourth season. 
right? Fourth season? 1923, fourth 22? Fourth I think like, we said third, I thought, right? Well, 2023 would be our fourth. Yeah, it's our fourth. We're going yeah. into our fourth. We're ending our, our first, third season. Oh, okay. Next consistent, week. Consistent, <laughs> consistent year of plays. Yeah. Because 2019 doesn't count. <laughs> that was one show. It's a season. It's a one show season. <laughs> um, we're going to our fourth year of like producing shows. We clearly have an identity now. You know, we clearly are known for like what type of shows we like to do and how we do our shows. You know, people are signing up to direct with us still. People are coming back. I, I, I think that's the big thing is people are coming back to see our shows and people are coming back to be in our shows. We are consistent in our work. And that's what makes a community theater. It's yeah. like, are people coming back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And we would do so much better if we weren't spending so much of our money renting for a rehearsal. If we're paying for every single rehearsal to rent out a space when we could just be paying rent, <laughs> you know, but you can't just buy the first month of a building. You have to buy it three years out of time. Mm-hmm. You have to pay like tens of thousands of dollars Huge chunks. to say like, all right, you're going to function for the next few months. Go. Yeah. And we can't we take out, lo- we can't take out loans like you could with an LLC or like a for-profit business yeah. because we don't, we can't take money from, like we're a nonprofit. We that's the opposite of our thing. It's that balance of like, we want donors to see us and say like, I want to take a risk with this group and like really get them what they need. Because if we had a building, we would consistently be doing shows. Our season would expand, you know, and oh, but, you're already consistently doing shows. Yeah. Doing we're already like consistently six, doing shows, six, but seven. I'm saying like we would be able to have rehearsals right, right. and not worry about like, Oh, well we're renting the space, but is someone else also renting that space? Mm-hmm. You know, We'd have rehearsals at our place, you know, and during the day it could have, like we said, so many other functions, you know, we, we can provide education. Like you said, Cause like, the sh- shows are never going to make enough money for us to no, like, yeah. buy a building or rent building. Yeah. It's, it's no, just it's never co- going to happen. It's going to have to be a generous donor. Our, yeah. Our goal is to have an educational program. Then that's, that's where the money is. Like yeah. that's where you have educational. So we also program. just have uh, so many people on our board who, are in education you Who know? want to do it yeah, and yeah. and doing being a theater teacher in a public school is very different from being a theater teacher in a theater company mm-hmm. that experience is wonderful <laughs> you know <laughs> i love teaching but man i i would love to teach just in a theater company because oh, yeah. those kids want to be there and yeah. they i feel like as much as we are providing great things at school, there's so much more we could be doing if they were surrounded by people with their same passion. Um, but yeah, a building, an education program, you know, something that is community based. We have traditions like the summer musical that we're always doing. Um, we have, you know, playwriting festivals. We have, you know, local playwrights, local spoken word artists, all these people who can put on their work and say, like, I did it at Broke Thespians. You know, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the dream. That's one of the things that I would really like to see is more local works done or like yeah. somebody that's like, Hey, I just wrote this play and I would like to put it up for a weekend or have like a staged reading of it. Yeah. Because like, bec- if we had a building, I could be like, great, I'll set aside this week for you yeah. and you can just do that. And but, here you have space for ours. Yeah. But and f- we have access to actors who are coming back. Yeah, who are consistent. We have that. And people and actors who are like I've had actors come up to me and they're like, You guys should do like original stuff because like I don't have anything original, but I love like workshopping. Yeah. And like getting to work because like as somebody who is like a writer and a 
playwright and a screenwriter. And I'm like, I would love to do some, like have something of mine performed yeah. at zero cost to me yeah. <laughs> because the crowd for somebody that's like, I wrote this play and I wanted to workshop it is much smaller than like, Hey, we're doing, um, music man. Mm-hmm. It's a very different crowd of like, mm-hmm. I know what music man is that's consistent as yeah. opposed to what is this play? Who is that guy? A building would allow us to experiment a little more, mm-hmm. play a little more. I think right now we are making sure that each show is paying for the next thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we want to be able to have, I, I loved when I got to do like 24 hour play festivals. Mm-hmm. I it's love so workshopping fun. a show. Like I can't write. I got a lot of opinions. So <laughs> I will act in your workshop show. You know, I, I will direct your workshop show. I want to do more things like that. We just don't have a place to do those. Mm-hmm. And if we're renting a space, we need to make at least that rent. Yeah. And that is hundreds and hundreds of dollars for each show. Mm-hmm. So that's always like anytime someone talks to us, the city, we're like, yeah, yeah building a space would be nice. Mm-hmm. That's always yeah. our first thing. If you look us up, I think that's that comes up in an article. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. Google broke thespian San Marcos, it's all caps. They need a building. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We're uh, we're 20 minutes past my, my target. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, because this conversation has been fantastic. But is there anything anything I've missed that, that particularly in the vein of advice you have to others who might be starting off on this path that you've been on for the past three, four years? Be willing to have the uncomfy conversations. Like I said earlier, I think the reason Broke Thespians is successful is because I was able to step in not only as a board member, but as a friend and say like, Hey, I didn't like this as a participant. And if you want to continue to grow, you need to talk to other people because we all talk to each other. We all had feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, and you need to figure out what those were and like figure out, do you want to change? Or if it's something that like they don't align with your views Mm -hmm. and make that clear moving on. And I, I think that worked really well for broke thespians and like we said we make mistakes all the time you know there are things that we slip up on or that we forget but what i do appreciate is that every board member will take the criticism and adjust or take the criticism and like have a conversation with you to figure out where we can meet that is my biggest suggestion have the skin the thick skin to say like all right, they're going to tell me what I've done wrong, and I can't give up after they tell me what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. You know, because no one, no one grows by being told only the great things they did. Yeah, yeah. You don't grow by staying in the same place. Yeah, you have to move. No, I definitely want to echo that. It's so cliche, but God, it, it being you have to be willing to like fall forward. Like you're gonna, you are gonna make, and we are still continuously making mistakes. For me, I think the biggest advice is you kind of can't settle. You have to you have to keep you have to be very very extremely flexible. Mm-hmm. You need to be willing to adapt to new things and change. Um, and you you kind of can't sit and be idle. You have to. There's always something else you could be doing. Could you start a new social media platform? Could you reach out to a new Facebook group? Can you update something on the website? Can you? Uh, reach out to an actor reach out to a volunteer any there's always something you can do um, and get some rule followers on your team yes. so that you do not <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You'll end up caught. as a company that has some lawsuits on you. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Sam Parrott. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> um, <laughs> get someone that's going to say like, hey, this is the right way to do this. And who's going to do the research, you mm-hmm. know, and who enjoys doing the research. Yeah. Mine also has to go with Sam. Um, <laughs> if you want to start a theater company or I, it really goes for anything that you'd want to start, get somebody who does not care about that. Um, <laughs> not, to, not to say that... <laughs> <laughs> not to say that Sam doesn't care about us or about theater, but Sam... That's not his home. By training is choir. He's yeah. not theater. Tommy and him worked together for a while, and Sam became more of a theater person. But I don't yeah. think he has... He doesn't have much of a background in theater. Mm-mm. So it makes a lot of the, the things that we say, he's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. And he just has the the mindset of like... What does that mean? Our audience. He's very good at saying like, what does that mean? I read the ad for that. What is it? What is that show uh, about? Mm, um, so, and it's like, oh, because so many people haven't had community theater here. That's what they're going to ask us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and it's finding finding somebody that knows nothing about it. Not to say he doesn't know anything, but he is Tim not, is very smart. Yeah, he is. He didn't get his. <laughs> he didn't get his degree in theater. He got his degree in music. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Sam Harrod. <laughs> he got his doctorate in music and education. So it's. I think it's just important for anything that you do to find at least one or two people that know nothing. So then you're not operating on this level of like, everybody knows that. Mm Yeah. And it's like, no, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Having board members who are not trained in theater, like, mm -hmm. like theater is very new to a few of us, you know, and Emily too. Like Emily, Mm -hmm. Emily will be like, Hey, I have never heard of that thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about it? It's like, okay, so if someone on our board is saying that, mm-hmm. how are we going to present it to mm-hmm. the world? And <laughs> it's like San Marcus, Texas. Specifically, what makes me think of that is when we did the show Almost Maine. Oh my God. And all of us Ugh. theater people that did theater in college and high school, when we told them about it, they were like, Ugh, Almost Maine. And then, like, everybody was like, oh, that show gets... Because it's a very commonly done show for, like, one act in UIL because it's all just scenes of two people. So it's very easy uh, to rehearse. Okay. So it's like, at one rehearsal, it's like, I only need these two people. Everybody else, go home. But it's a very popular show. And we were like, well, should we do it? Because it's so popular and, like, it's so done. And our friend Emily went, I've never seen that. I don't know what you're talking about. And we were like, what? And she was like, I didn't do theater, so I don't know what you're talking about. I, and I, I realized, sitting here am in the same boat. I have heard of it because I've known a bunch of mm-hmm. theater people, but I have never seen the show. I've yeah, never. so it's it's having people that are... They're, they have a different background mm-hmm. than yeah. you. Yeah, in they it. have a different like, They background. still have interest in it, mm-hmm. but it's not like me and Mitchell live theater 12 hours a day because yeah. of work, you know? Um, they live theater when they're at the meetings or when they are working on a show, mm-hmm. and that's it. Because those are the people that you're selling to. Yeah. The Sams of the world are the people that are seeing our shows. Yeah. Like, yeah, we have our theater friends, but that's like 20 or 30 people. And Mm -hmm. we need to sell hundreds of tickets. Yeah. So it's finding the ways to access the non-theater person. That for me has been one of the hardest things. Because I'm like a theater kid. My dad was in theater. My mom did theater. So I've like, I'm a legacy child. Like, <laughs> uh, like it's just been a part of my life all my life. So I don't have, I don't, I can't see it from a non-theater person's standpoint. Mm-hmm. But having people like that is yeah. very beneficial. Whereas I'm in the middle ground and I was around theater, but I didn't really, I was in a title one school that didn't have much theater funding. So mm-hmm. I know the shows I was in, Mm-hmm. And then I got to Texas State and I started playing catch up. So I feel like 
Nate knows so much about theater, and then you have people like Sam who are learning and like very new. And I'm in the middle ground of like, I know some of this stuff. I, I think having that variety is very helpful when we're making decisions. Because I think if we all had the same background, then we would all be doing the same type of show over mm-hmm. and over. We wouldn't have the variety in our season that we do have, mm-hmm. especially next season. What a time we're going to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, if listeners want to find out about that next season, want to buy tickets, maybe uh, donate, where can they find you? Uh, it is So our website is <laughs> www.brokethespianstheatercompany.org. That is theater with an R-E at the end. And that's where you can find our website. We have a section that's called Now Playing. And you can see our current productions. And then on another tab, you can see auditions slash volunteer, where you can audition if the show's available or sign up to be reached out to volunteer for some stuff or show your support with money (laughs) yes and you can like us on facebook at broke thespians theater company you can follow us on instagram uh, at broke thespians theater company it's spelled the same way with an re and on tiktok and on twitter and on twitter the username might be different but if you just search broke thespians theater company will pop up i think that's it yeah, yeah, I think that's all the social media. All right, have. great. I'll put the uh, the links in the show notes as well. They're law. Broke, broke. Who? <laughs> it's just our name. <laughs> all right. Well, Nate, Tommy, Mitchell, thank you all for your time and for talking with me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you, thank so you for much. having us. It's been a pleasure. This has been the Community of Theater podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. I really admire the broke thespians' tendency toward self-examination. They really seek out constructive criticism and and seem to act on it. If you know anyone on the board of a theater company or involved with running one, probably any other nonprofit organizations would benefit from this as well, please point them to this episode. If you have thoughts or opinions about today's episode or the show in general, if you have guest or topic recommendations, I would love to hear from you. You can find the show on Facebook. Just search for the Community of Theater Podcast. Email me at communityoftheater at gmail.com. doesn't matter if you spell theater with an R-E or E-R. I've got both addresses registered. Or you can tweet at me, at D-E-R-E-K-S-M-O-O-T-Z. Thank you for listening. And if you're currently in a production, break a leg.